Jake here. Thank you for taking a trip to the past with me. The original podcast version of The Americans will be released weekly, but if you don't want to wait, then go to jakebible.substack.com and become a paid subscriber. You'll receive access to all of The Americans as well as early release novels, audiobooks, and other exclusive extras. That's jakebible.substack.com. Now enjoy the original podcast production of The Americans. Cheers. Warning. This podcast reading is for mature audiences only. You will not be warned again. Welcome to the podcast reading of Jake Bible's The Americans, book two in the Dead Mech Apex Trilogy. The Americans is a sidequel to Dead Mech, meaning it takes place simultaneously with book one. You can listen to this novel first or start with Dead Mech. Go to jakebible.com for more information on this podcast, Dead Mech, and other fiction by Jake Bible. Enjoy. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Americans, episode two. I got a lot of great feedback about the first episode. I think it kind of set the tone for how things are going to go. It's definitely going to be <laughs> a crazy ride. Um, some nutso-violent sci-fi with a little mystery, and it's going to take a bit for y'all to figure out exactly what's going on and get up to speed, but um, hey, little mystery's always good in life. I do believe, I do believe. Let's see what's going on. I'm going to try and make this all very brief, um, but uh, you know me. I tend to ramble like I'm doing right now. So anyway, I have got a ton of interviews going to be doing, done, having done, coming up, all this kind of stuff, and I will be tweeting about them so that you can you know, make sure and, and listen if you want. Um, I'll try and throw them all into my feed. Hey, my little mail thing. I have mail. I didn't turn my phone down. Ugh, I'm crazy that way. You know me. But since I like to ramble, I'm not going to edit this out. It's pure Jake. You get a little piece of my life right there. No, anyway, um, interviews, I'll try and throw them into the feed, um, but, you know, I'll also be tweeting about them with links to um, the individual podcasters and radios and whatnot where it's going to be happening. So make sure you go to jakebible.com, you click on where it says follow me, Twitter, it's on the side, yeah. Anyway, right-hand side of the page. Um, and follow me on Facebook um, on my uh, uh, fan page. Uh, Jake Bible's Wasteland. Um, that way you can get all the announcements and you don't miss out on anything. Um, I do have a forum. I have a feeling the forum's going to go away. It just never really took off. Um, I've neglected it. It's just hard to keep track of. There's so much going on. So um, that could just end up going away. For those of you on the forum, you're probably like, yeah, so great. You don't do anything. You're like, yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize for that. Anyway, what else? Oh, I did a little um, Kindle experiment this last week um, with Bethany and the Zombie Jesus. If you haven't purchased Bethany and the Zombie Jeebus, Jeebus, hey Jeebus, if you haven't purchased Bethany and the Zombie Jesus on Kindle or on Smashwords, go do so now. It's an outstanding little novelette, 10,000 words, and then there's 11 other short stories in that collection. Some of them have been in Brain Squeeze and some of them have not. Um, so you definitely want to get that. You know, the whole um, collection's 39,000 words. So it's, you know, it's good size and it's on sale for 99 cents. 
99 cents, people. So what I did with that little experiment with Bethany is I just started tweeting um, and just, you know, started asking people, hey, buy it. Let's see how far we can push it up to the charts. And it actually made it into the top 20 of books, science fiction, fantasy, science fiction, short stories. Um, and um, same category books, science fiction, fantasy, science fiction, anthologies. So made it in the top 20 on those charts, which is uh, pretty cool. So um, go buy Bethany if you get a chance. That would be outstanding. You can go to jakebible.com and click on the page tab above that says buy the fiction. That'll have the link right there for you. So you can get that for your Kindle or, you know, go to Smashwords and get it for whatever e-reader you have. It's 99 cents, people. There's no reason not to buy it. And the more people that buy it, the better it does. It goes up the charts. It's out of the charts now um, because people stop buying it after that experiment. Um, so, you know, if we can keep it in the charts, then people who don't listen to the podcast, who don't know me as an author, make, you know, come across it. And um, it's a good way to get my name out there, to get my fiction out there, and for me to keep doing this. So that's kind of cool. Let's see. Speaking of getting my fiction out there, Dead Mech Kindle Rush on the first the first, just a little over a week away. <gasps> Holy crap. Um, yeah, so mark it. March 1st. You want to just start buying the hell out of that. Buy a copy for yourself, for your friends, for your family. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Hey, you got to try this out. It's only $3.99 for the Kindle. That's an amazing deal. Since the print book was $25.95. <laughs> I think $3.99 on a Kindle is a pretty darn thing, good thing. I am going to get it up on Smashwords at some point. Um, I just have to do a couple things to get it all formatted and get it right for that. But I will get it up there, so don't worry. That will be there eventually. And I'll get it up on Pubbit um, for the Nook um, so that it's there also soon. But right now I'm focusing on Kindle um, because I already have that done, have it set up, have it ready to go. There's reviews on there. If you've read it, listened to it, whatever, go put a review up. That would be outstanding on the Kindle one. That would be great, please. Um, so March 1st, mark that down. Um, you know, because here's the thing. This is now, I put it up on Kindle. Um, if you haven't heard, I um, severed my agreement with Library of the Living Dead Press. Nothing bad. It's all good. They're, you know, great. Doc is outstanding. Wonderful guy. Um, it's a great outfit. It really is. I think I'm just... <sighs> I'm Jake. <laughs> I move at Jake speed, which means I could move painfully slow or I'm moving at the speed of light. And um, I sometimes have a hard time working well with others. I know it's hard to believe, um, but I really, we, we just, you know, came to an understanding that uh, my expectations, what I need done and when I need it done is probably just not necessarily realistic for other people. Um, so I decided to sever the contract. Totally amicable. It was, you know, no hard feelings either way. You guys should go check out Library of the Living Dead Press and all their great authors and titles really do that. Outstanding, outstanding press. Um, but you know, I, I just needed to do my thing. Uh, you know, I started off independently doing this as a podcast. I'm just used to kind of being in control. <laughs> That's just me. I guess I have issues that way. But what that means is there's a lot 
of authors out there that are like me. There's a lot of authors that are putting out some extremely good quality product and producing it themselves, whether they're doing print on demand through Lightning Source, Create Space, one of those things, or whether they're just doing straight to ebooks um, on Kindle, on Smashwords, you know, for Nook, all that stuff. There's a lot of really good ones out there. Go search them out, go find them, support them. I mean, really, you're talking amazing good fiction, novels, short stories, novellas, collections, anthologies, all this stuff. I mean, most of it is under $3. So go support them. Um, you know, your dollars make a difference. Every time you buy one of those, it helps them in the rankings. It helps them get noticed. It adds them to different lists. It shows that when someone buys this, they also buy that. You know, there's there's a lot of reasons to just spend 99 cents or $2.99 or $1.99 on, you know, a great independent, um, you know, story or novel. So go do that. That's the main thing. I really want you, you know, not just about me. It's It's about the other authors out there. We're in probably the biggest writing revolution since the printing press came out. Um, honestly, I, I'm, I mean, that's not hyperbole. That's, that's me. I, I'm stating that right now. Now, we have not seen a change in publishing since the printing press that uh, matches what's going on right now. And um, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty crazy to be a part of it, to be here and involved and to launch my writing career during all of this because hey i am a chaos surfer i love it i have no problem with it it does not scare me i know how to you know just go with the flow and roll with the punches and any other metaphor and analogy you can think of i can do that so you know no worries um but there's a lot of other authors out there who are struggling and they just need some help they need some validation they need you to buy their work so that they know what they're doing matters. They know what they're doing is having an impact and that, you know, it just keeps them going and it keeps some good quality fiction out there. So please go check out the, um, you know, Amazon charts, go check out Twitter. If you see someone tweet about a link, check out the author's website, give them a chance. It's, you know, it's definitely worth it. And of course, at the end of this episode, there will be some promos. I know some people are giving me crap because I haven't listed the promos in the intro. Very simply put, I tend to record the intro before I'm done editing the whole audio. And sometimes things go wrong with promo files. I can't get a hold of the person to get me a new file. I can't find it. Things just don't always happen. So that's why I just put in a generic, hey, listen to the promos at the end here, because it sucks to have to go back and record the intro or edit parts out and then re-record the little part and say, oh, um, this promo instead of this promo. I just don't have that time. Um, which brings me back to, don't forget, this is a podcast reading. This is not a slick produced audiobook. You will hear me the blah, blah, blah a couple times in there. Nothing big. Any big major ones I cut out. Um, but, you know, I may stutter a bit here and there. I may take a big breath here and there. That's how authors read and that's how I want it to be. And pretty much all of my podcasts from here on out are going to be like that. Unless I have the time to slick them up and do, you know, something else. But really, it's me reading. Um, it's going to be natural, organic. Um, no pesticides, fertilizers, anything like that. <laughs> I made a joke. Get it? Natural, organic. So anyway, that's that's what you know. I'm going. It's it's me with time, just being natural, just um, being me, reading my story so that you can hear it, so I can get it out there. 
Um, because when you want it slick and produced, well, eventually that will happen and that'll be available. And if you want to buy that, then that's great. But right now you're getting a podcast reading and it's just me, Jake, on natural. Yeah. All right. I think I've rambled long enough. I've probably rambled too long, but really, can you have too much Jake? Can you? All right, make sure you go to jakebible.com, check out all the good information, good news, buy the fiction, Uh, follow me on Twitter. If you aren't already, follow me on Twitter. This makes a huge difference. I'm on there all the time. I do talk back. Um, So if you talk to me on Twitter, I'm going to talk to you. Um, (laughs) Take that as you will. (laughs) Buyer beware on that one. Um, But yeah, follow me on Twitter and then go to my Facebook fan page, Jake Bible's Wasteland. You know, like that puppy. I do all kinds of announcements. You know, I, I, I link to things. I throw up pictures. I do. I puke pictures everywhere. I just puke graphics. Um, you know, so don't miss out. You know, there's, there's a lot more than just the podcast. All right, done rambling. Enjoy episode two of the Americans and well, talk to y'all later. Cheers. Chapter two. Two of the shock troops approached Heather's body, weapons ready, one behind and covering the other. She appears to be neutralized, one said over his calm. Careful. The other responded, ghosts are tricky. When have you dealt with a ghost? The first asked gruffly. No sooner as he said that than Heather's eyes flicked open. Even with their shock suits tech, neither of the troopers even registered the thin line of BC filament that flicked out from Heather's hands, wrapping about their legs. Both troopers began to scream as their BC suits were ripped off their bodies without the proper disengaging procedure, their jack points torn right from their skin and grafted bone. Heather's wounds sealed as she got to her feet, unseen microscopic BC sutures repairing the damage. She'd hurt for a while, but the BC would have her fixed up in no time. The rest of the BC Heather ripped from the shock troops' suits morphed and melded onto her body, becoming an active array of various weapons and blades. None of the guards moved. Some forgot to breathe. You're all going to die, Heather grinned. You realize that, right? Half of the unarmored guards turned and bolted, leaving the others shaking in their fear. Heather struck so fast that when the hollows were reviewed, she was nothing but a blur. And for those in the hall that could track her, it was the last thing they saw. Thank you for joining us, Miss Laughlin, said Mr. Weber, one of the young teachers at Gramercy. We haven't inconvenienced you by starting class already, have we? Beth didn't respond, just kept her head down and took the first open seat at one of the science lab tables. Great, muttered Melissa, looking at Beth sideways as she sat down. I get the freak. Beth didn't respond, just looked at the desk's surface. Melissa's hand shot up immediately. Yes, Miss Brenton, Mr. Weber asked wearily. Let me guess, you want to move. Unfortunately, the class is full and I don't feel like rearranging everyone to suit your wants. Can you tough it out for us? The class snickered while Melissa lowered her hand. Well, as I was saying before Miss Laughlin and Miss Brenton decided to hijack the class with their engaging personalities, your biochrome projects are due today. Please set them out and have them ready as I walk around the room. Summaries and findings should also be ready to hand in, and I will collect those as I assess your project. But, before you do, since Miss Laughlin decided that being on time wasn't a good idea, maybe she could read what is on the data screen? Beth blanched, then sighed, and silently read over the words at the front of the class. Any time now, Miss Laughlin, Mr. Weber said. 
I know other teachers have given you an easy time since you are fairly new to Gramercy, but in this class I expect participation, at least if you want to pass. Biochrome, a combination of recycled metals combined into one malleable metal alloy, Beth began, uncertainty making her voice waver slightly. Biochrome is the only material that has been fused with organic DNA, which allows each individual molecule to be programmed in order to create one cohesive solid-state product, free of moving parts or separate microprocessors. It is a product of the science known as genetic metallurgy. Mr. Weber smiled at Beth. Very good. Now would you care to continue? Biochrome is now the world's most used material and makes up nearly 85% of all finished goods, Beth said. Some consider the material to be a living, breathing entity, responding to touch. That's enough, Miss Laughlin, Mr. Weber interrupted. We can do without the commentary. Beth looked alarmed. I'm sorry, Mr. Weber. I, I don't know why I said that last part. Mr. Weber waved her off and glanced around the room. Well, what is everyone waiting for? Project's on the desks now. Melissa immediately set her project case on the table while Beth dug around in her satchel for hers. Melissa tried to ignore Beth as much as possible, but as soon as Beth began to unload the contents of her satchel onto the table, Melissa had had enough. Do you mind? Your trash is getting everywhere, Melissa said snottily. Beth glanced up for a moment and locked eyes with Melissa. Without breaking her gaze, she withdrew her project case and slammed it down on the table, knocking the other contents already covering the surface everywhere. Hair ties, wadded-up wrappers, nail polish, and other junk skidded off the table onto the floor and into Melissa's lap. Jesus, you freak! Melissa shouted, jumping from her seat, flicking Beth's satchel contents away from her like they were hot coals. Problem, girls? Mr. Weber called from across the room. Do you both need a consult with headmistress Ellis? Melissa glared at Beth, then turned and smiled for Mr. Weber. No, sir. Mr. Weber watched the girls for a moment, then went back to critiquing a student's project. Beth grabbed up her stuff and jammed it back in her satchel. Don't fuck with me, freak, Melissa growled. I'm really not in the mood. Take the next left, Reginald said while Mr. Stone drove the mag skiff through the busy afternoon traffic. You sure this is the secondary? Mr. Stone asked, patiently waiting for an elderly lady to cross the road before he turned. Yep, face wreck confirmed the school's records. Reginald responded, looking at his tablet screen. One Miss Elizabeth Laughlin, age 16, orphan, lives with a foster family a few blocks from here. Plot that route also in case we don't get to the school in time, Stone said, finally able to turn. School lets out at 1,700 hours. Stone pulled the mag skiff to the curb outside Gramercy Secondary School and cut the drive, letting the skiff settle onto the pavement. He reached past Reginald and tapped at a panel on the dashboard. Tag 5, semi-auto, fully silenced, he said aloud. There were a series of clicks and part of the dash dropped, extending a compact biochrome pistol. Stone grabbed it and placed it inside his jacket. Ready? Reginald tapped at the panel also. 10-inch, 100-fold edge blade, 30-gram hilt. Two clicks and a biochrome knife appeared. Ready, Stone. The two men exited the skiff and proceeded up the greenway towards the school entrance. I've saved the best for last, Mr. Weber said, not even bothering to conceal his sarcasm. Let's start with Miss Laughlin, shall we? Beth handed Mr. Weber her paper and opened her project case. Inside was a small chunk of biochrome, about ten centimeters square. Mr. Weber's brow furrowed as he picked up the square. It's a multi-tool, 
Beth said quietly. I couldn't think of a single object to make, so I figured out a way to program the properties of several objects into the BC. All simple tools, so it wouldn't overload the matrix, but it could come in handy. Melissa gasped. You cheating bitch! Beth turned on her, stunned. What? Mr. Weber ignored the interaction and set Beth's project back in its case. He reached across the girls and opened Melissa's. Inside was a nearly identical square of biochrome. I can't believe you copied me, Melissa screeched. Have you been watching me or something, freak? I I didn't, Beth stammered. I came up with this on my own. She turned to Mr. Weber. You, you've seen me sketching this in class. You mean copied from my sketches, Melissa shouted. Quiet, both of you, Mr. Weber snapped. He closed both projects and shoved them into each girl's hands. I want you to take those and wait up by my desk, now. But, Mr. Weber, Melissa started. Now, Mr. Weber shouted, causing many of the students to turn to see what was happening. Eyes front! They all turned away, but their attention was still focused on the commotion. Melissa stood from the table and pushed past Mr. Weber, stomping to the front of the room and Mr. Weber's desk. Mr. Weber, please, my foster mother will be, Beth tried, but he held up a hand, stopping her instantly. Up at my desk now, Miss Laughlin, he glared. Heather stood before the case and smiled. Here it was, months of undercover work, acting like she was some stupid spy from one of the other kingdoms so she would get thrown in this specific facility, all of it now coming to a close. She snatched up the case, having already disabled the less-than-adequate, for her, security measures, and bolted from the room. Excuse me, Reginald said as he approached the school receptionist while Mr. Stone waited outside the office door, his eyes scanning the hallway as the end-of-day bell sounded and students poured out of their classrooms. Might I inquire as to the location of Miss Elizabeth Laughlin? The receptionist looked up and was startled to see such a tall man connected to such a high voice. Oh, I'm sorry, but we cannot give out student information. Reginald smiled brightly. No, of course you can't. But she was here at school today. The receptionist eyed Reginald warily. His smile widened. I work with her foster father, and he has to work late and wanted me to bring a message to her. Reginald watched the woman's hand shift slightly towards the calm mutant on her desk. Before she could move more than a centimeter, Reginald had his knife out and buried into the soft underside of her chin. Looks like it's the hard way, Stone, Reginald called out. Shock troops on her heels and bullets whizzing past, Heather passed through the BC barbed wire like it was cobwebs and stood at the top of the wall, nothing but the Thames below her. She melted the straps of the case, changing it into a backpack and slung it around, securing it tightly about her shoulders. The BC charge she had set off exploded as timed, ripping the troopers apart, closing off the roof access, and Heather leapt, her arms outstretched, body straight, and plunged head first into the frigid waters. Melissa and Beth walked down the hallway towards the main office, with Mr. Weber railing at them from directly behind, his face purple with rage. Did you two think you could get away with it? he yelled. How stupid do you think I am? You didn't even bother to adjust the tools. They are exactly alike. Melissa tried to stop and talk to Mr. Weber, but he grabbed her by the upper arm and pushed her along. Mr. Weber, please, she cried. I swear I had nothing to do with this. If anyone cheated, it was her, not me. Save it for the headmistress, Mr. Weber growled. 
I've had about enough of your brats and you little feud. Confirmation of target, a voice shouted directly outside the main office door. The two girls and Mr. Weber stopped, confused, and watched as Mr. Stone pulled his pistol from his jacket while Reginald stepped from the office, his bloody knife trailing bright red droplets behind him. Elizabeth Laughlin, step away from the others, Stone called out. A capture or kill order has been given. We will use deadly force. Mr. Weber stepped forward. If you are police, then I demand some ident- He never finished the sentence as Stone silently put two bullets through his right eye. They ripped through his brain and skull, splattering the hallway with blood and gray matter. Oh my God! Beth screamed, and other students in the hall took notice of the confrontation. Shouts and yells echoed down the hall as the students became aware of the blood and panicked. Stone ignored the chaos and took aim once again. Beth's eyes widened and her bladder loosed as the pistol's muzzle trained on her. Get down! Melissa ordered. Her legs already weak with panic and shock, Beth crumpled to the floor as bullets from Mr. Stone's pistol punched through the empty air where she had just been. The school security guard, finally realizing he needed to do his job, rushed Mr. Stone, tackling about the waist. Reginald ignored the two men grappling on the tile floor and brought his attention on Beth. Two quick strides and he towered over her, his knife poised to strike. Who are you? Beth squeaked. What do you want? Reginald smiled down at her. Your head, girly. And what's inside it? That's all. Reginald grunted and shuddered, his face taking on a surprised and painful look. His eyes rolled back in his head and he fell to his knees. Beth scuttled away before the tall man could collapse on her. Behind Reginald stood Melissa, the flagpole normally stationed outside the main office gripped tight in her hands like a quarterstaff. A look of anger crossed her face and she dropped the pole, wiping her hands on her skirt. God, you're a pain in my ass, she shouted. Now get the fuck up and let's go. Beth didn't question Melissa and got shakily to her feet. What's going on? She yelled at Melissa. Melissa just looked at Beth, then at Mr. Stone and Reginald and grabbed Beth, yanking her towards the front entrance. Fuck if I know. Bits of wood exploded and showered the two girls as they ran through the doorway. Beth risked a glance behind her and saw Mr. Stone, gun aimed at her, smiling before the guard's right elbow caught him across the brow and his head slammed against the tile floor. Chapter 3 Sir, Corporal Stevens said, hurrying into General Nathan Fitzroy's office, you have to see this. General Fitzroy, head of American Forces UK, glanced up from the sheet of dataplast he was reading. You know, Corporal, for an assistant you do more interrupting than assisting. The Corporal ignored the comment and switched on the hollow. Confirm this, Director Gein. The reporter asked as they both stood outside an official ominous-looking complex. Is this the first breakout in the history of this facility? Isn't that correct? Like I said earlier, Valerie, I'm not at liberty to comment on the situation at hand, Mr. Gein said, pulling at his collar and looking quite uncomfortable. This is an internal LOMSD matter and will be handled thusly. But, Director Gein, there are reports that this facility isn't strictly a detention center, but a holding facility for sensitive and quite possibly dangerous materials. Can you confirm this? Valerie asked. Director Gein's eyes narrowed predatorily and the nervous bureaucrat disappeared for a moment. You must have your facts mixed up, Valerie. This interview is concluded and I have given you as much information as I can. Thank you. With that, he stormed off. Well... Obviously, there is more going on than the LOMSD would like to discuss, Valerie continued. I can assure our watching public that we at the HBC will be digging deeper to bring you the truth. Valerie Adams reporting for HBC Breaking News. 
Back to you, Lois. A hollow switch to an anchor woman. Thank you, Valerie. Certainly is troubling. In other news, reports are coming in from Gramercy Secondary School of a possible shoot. Fitzroy switched off the hollow. Fucking hell, Heather. Which part of clandestine do you not understand? Shall I call her, sir? Corporal Stevens asked. You think she has a calm on her right now? The general asked, annoyed. I'm pretty sure she'll be in contact when she wants to be in contact. In the meantime, keep monitoring all channels, official or unofficial. If there's even a hint that this might get back to us, you tell me right away. I won't be caught with my pants down. Please, can we stop running? Beth panted. Please, my side. Melissa halted and looked about, pulling Beth into an alleyway next to Jameson and Son's fine candies and news shop. When sufficiently hidden by shadow, she let go of her arm and looked at Beth. You want to tell me what the fuck that was about? Melissa whispered harshly. Mr. Weber is dead because those two men were looking for you. Beth wouldn't meet Melissa's eyes. I don't know, she croaked, tears streaming down her face. Melissa stared at her hard, then her face softened slightly as she saw the large, wet stain on Beth's skirt. She took her school uniform jacket off and stepped to Beth, draping it about her waist and tying the arms in front. Here. We should cover it. Thanks, Beth nodded. I really don't know what is going on. Yeah, I believe you, Melissa said, then looked around, making sure no one passing by the alleyway heard her. You may be a freak, but you're a crappy liar. Come on, we're going to my place. My aunt is off on business and we'll have the place to ourselves. You can get cleaned up there and we can figure out what to do next. Why are you helping me? Beth asked. Because Americans stick together, Melissa said. Beth's eyes grew wide with shock. I'm not an American. Bullshit. That multi-tool design is classic ghost training, Melissa grunted. Either you've had the training or someone has shown you. Either way, only an American with genetic control over BC can make that. Come on. We've got a short window before they come looking for me as well. I'm not registered, but I think they can get around that. The bath is upstairs. Melissa said as she ushered Beth through the front door of the brownstone. Third door on the left, there should be towels. Beth looked at her and smiled, then scrunched her face. I'm going to need... Well... Melissa frowned. You can grab some of my aunt's clothes for you to change into. She latched the door behind them, activating the security system and turned towards a set of double doors on her right. Bedrooms next to the bath. I'm going to check the hollow and see if anything has been mentioned. She opened a hallway closet and pulled two satchels from a hook on the door. Are you going somewhere? Beth asked, eyeing the satchels. Melissa laughed. We're both going somewhere. I don't know what your deal is, but if you're an American, then that means I have a duty to help and protect you. Why is that? Beth asked. Are you dense? Melissa responded harshly. Because I'm a fucking American also. You really aren't getting what's going on, are you, freak? Please don't call me that, Beth whispered. Melissa sighed. You go upstairs. I'm going to get some supplies and I'll meet you up there. We probably have 10, maybe 15 minutes until Special Branch comes knocking. Or the LOMSD. Beth took in a sharp breath. The League? Why would the League want me? Just get upstairs. We'll have plenty of time to talk on the run. The run? But where? Fucking get upstairs and get changed for Christ's sake! Beth shut up and dashed up the stairs. Melissa shook her head and walked back to the kitchen. No, sir. Director Gynes said over his calm, his fingers nervously tapping on his desk. No, we followed every security protocol. She's obviously a ghost, sir. 
There's no way to detect... Gein's face grew redder and redder as he listened to the voice on the other end of the comm. I understand that, sir, but like I said... Right, of course, sir. Yes, I'll, I'll be expecting you. Gein disconnected the comm and sat staring at his office wall. Fucking bollocks! He yelled, slamming his fist down. Heather burst into the kitchen. Get your shit in the sock. We need to be packed and gone, like right now, she shouted at Melissa. What's with the security system being activated in the middle of the day? Where the hell have you been? Melissa yelled. Do you know I almost got killed today? Join the fucking club, Heather said, grabbing one of the packs from Melissa. She felt the weight of the supplies and looked inside. What the hell? Are you psychic now? What's this about? Melissa frowned and pointed at the holocast. Heather turned her focus on the image of the newswoman, once again, Valerie Adams, standing outside Gramercy Secondary School. Authorities have released this hollow footage of the vicious attacks on a teacher and the school receptionist, Valerie reported. The picture changed to the scene in the hallway, but instead of Mr. Stone firing the pistol, it showed Beth turning on Mr. Weber and executing the teacher. The scene switched to the main office, showing Beth bursting in and stabbing Mrs. Do Drover repeatedly in the throat and face, then running from the office. We now have Mr. Abel Stone of the LOM Security Division here to give us some insight into this unthinkable act, the reporter said as Mr. Stone stepped into the image. Thank you for speaking with us, Mr. Stone. Of course, Valerie, Mr. Stone said, his face a mask of serious concern. We know that information is the key to keeping everyone from panicking and jumping to conclusions. Now, Mr. Stone, early reports are calling this an act by a troubled teen connected with terrorists, which is why Special Branch isn't involved, Valerie began. And if this is part of something bigger than just a London incident, why is the LOMSD here and not the Americans? Well, Valerie, we aren't sure how deep this goes, Mr. Stone said. And unfortunately, the suspect in question may be an unregistered American which means the Americans have no choice but to let the LOMSD handle the investigation. He turned and faced the camera. After a quick examination of the school security hollow and speaking to witnesses, we have concluded that this horrible act was the fault of a poor girl addicted to scabs. How that ties into her being an American also, we are not sure. Oh my, Valerie responded. Have you determined what scabs precisely? We believe it to be senselow. Stone answered. That would explain the sudden violence. The girl probably thought she was in her favorite hollow cast, you know how these kids like the violence, and, and snapped. It goes to show the honest, homegrown dangers we face every day. I am sure our viewers would like to help, Mr. Stone, Valerie offered. What can they do if they spot this girl? Thank you, Valerie, Mr. Stone smiled. As I have instructed the local authorities, if you see this young woman, Elizabeth Laughlin, please don't approach her. Contact the LOMSD hotline and give her location. We wouldn't want anyone else to get hurt. Thank you, Mr. Stone. Valerie turned to face the hollow cam. That was Mr. Abel Stone of the LOMS Security Division. The LOMSD hotline contact info is available for your grasp. Just reach out with your catcher and it will be logged. I advise you do this now. It's always better to be safe than sorry. This is... Heather switched off the holocast. Want to explain what that has to do with you? Who the fuck is Elizabeth Laughlin? An unregistered American? We don't need that shit around us. Keeping us hidden has been hard enough. Are you sure your aunt won't mind me borrowing her clothes? Beth asked as she walked into the kitchen. She must keep in shape. These almost didn't fit. Oh, um, hello. Heather looked from Beth to Melissa and back. 
I really don't have time for this, Mel. What the fuck is going on? And why is she wearing my favorite fucking jeans? Proximity alarms blared through the house, and Heather grabbed both girls, shoving them into the hallway. Damn! Mr. Stone wants them alive, a trooper called out to the dozen or so others ready to storm Heather and Melissa's brownstone. Clear! One yelled, ducking away from the front door as it exploded inward in a mass of biochrome and resin. Fuck! They're here! Melissa and Heather yelled in unison as the house shook from simultaneous explosions in the front and back. We'll talk on the go! Upstairs, both of you! Heather shouted, tossing each of the girls a satchel. I'll buy us some time. There's the blue mag skiff in the basement. Get in and go. If I don't catch up to you in the alley in one minute, you take off. Head to Billy's. He'll get you to safety. Melissa turned on her aunt, fury in her eyes. Billy? That fucking scab head wouldn't know safety if it fucked him in the ass. Not the time, Mel! Heather roared, shoving the girls further up the stairs. Go! Heather watched the two girls run upstairs as four LOMSD troopers dashed at her through the smoke and debris. Before they even had time to call out, Heather had melted the BC doorknob of the closet door, splitting it into four equal parts, and flung the changing metal towards the troopers. She didn't even wait to see the results, confident the biochrome would do as she had told it to. It did, and each of the troopers were dead before they hit the ground, their heads sliced open by micron-thin blades. Heather stalked towards the back of the house, gathering up BC from lamps, doorknobs, hinges as she went. This is my house, motherfuckers! Beth screamed and clamped her hands over her ears as the sound of automatic rifle fire and ricochets boomed through Heather's bedroom and into the bathroom the girls had ducked into. Shut it, freak! Melissa snapped, placing a hand against the tile of the shower, and it instantly shimmered, then dissolved into a pool of biochrome. Melissa grabbed Beth and shoved her in the small room that was revealed. In there, now! Melissa stepped over the threshold, bent, and put her hand to the pooled BC. Instantly, the biochrome responded, and the wall replaced itself, the illusion of a tiled shower again complete. Where are we? Beth asked, blinking as a small halogen flickered to life. How did you do that? The BC is programmed to my family's genetics, Melissa replied. I wish I could do more, but I only get to work that patch. She knelt to the floor of the tiny room and placed her hand against a small square of BC. And this patch. The surface rippled, then gave way, sending them plummeting into the dark below. The cries of the troopers echoed from the brownstone and out into the city street. Those troopers who hadn't rushed the building paused, unsure whether to push forward or retreat, until the commanding officers started barking orders, berating them all for their cowardice. The girls landed hard three stories below the bathroom, but safety netting had kept them from serious injury. They sprinted a few hundred meters down a damp, musty tunnel straight to barely stable brick wall. Melissa tapped at a hidden security pad, and the wall pulled away, revealing a small, compact mag skiff tucked away inside. Do you even have your license? Beth asked as she strapped into the passenger seat while Melissa started up the mag drive and pulled it from the underground garage, a door sliding away to reveal a narrow alleyway beyond. Fuck a license, Melissa laughed. We're not driving to the bloody market. Melissa watched Beth for a moment. You really don't know what's going on at all, huh? No, Beth said quietly. I, I woke up this morning hating my life as usual, but never wanting any of this. I, I don't want to be an American. Oh, really? 
could have fooled me the way you always seem to have some great insight into our history or current place in today's socio-political environment, especially with B.C. Yeah, Beth said, I, I don't know why. Stuff just comes to me. It's like I'm not in control of my own life sometimes. Well, most of the time. The two girls cringed as the brownstone 300 meters behind them erupted in a mass of flame. I get what you mean, Melissa shouted, slamming down the accelerator. What about your aunt? Beth asked. Melissa looked in the rearview mirror and grinned. Reaching up, she pulled open the small sunroof. Oh, she can take care of herself. Beth looked behind her and her jaw dropped as she watched Heather sprint inhumanly fast towards the back of the skiff, then leap on top, twist and slide through the sunroof, landing in the back seat. Wow. You can applaud later, Heather joked. We have an appointment in Sin Circle. Melissa started to protest, but Heather held up her finger. Uh-uh, I don't want to fucking hear it. Billy may be a scabhead, but he's got ways to get us out of London. That's what we need right now. Melissa scrunched up her face in an angry pout and focused on the road. Sin Circle? Is that safe? Beth asked. Is she always this dense? Heather asked, leaning back in her seat and popping open a protein drink she grabbed from one of the satchels. So far, yes, Melissa responded, reaching back and snatching the drink from Heather and taking it for herself. Bitch, Heather grinned, grabbing another and tossing it to Beth before opening her own. Mr. Stone ignored the greetings from the LOMSD troopers and pushed past into the living room of the small, dirty flat. A skinny, middle-aged woman, obviously on speaking terms with cheap brandy, sat on the couch smoking a vapor stick and looking bored by all the commotion. Miss Leicaster is not being very cooperative, Mr. Stone, Reginald said, glancing around at the troopers. Everyone out, Mr. Stone said quietly, but firmly, his eyes never leaving the woman's face. Even with the low tone, all the troopers turned and left the flat, the door clicking ominously behind them. How long has she been fostered here? I don't know, Miss Leicaster said lazily. Two or three months. Fuck if I care. Mr. Stone grinned and sat down next to her. Moments went by and he said nothing. Miss Leicaster finally looked over at him, then Reginald and back to Mr. Stone. Lightning fast, Mr. Stone's elbow smashed into Miss Leicaster's nose, the crunch echoing off the mildewed walls of the flat. You broke my fucking nose, she cried out. Reginald reached out, pulled the woman from the couch, and slammed her face into the stained carpet. He yanked back roughly on her hair, and Mr. Stone, still seated, leaned down close. Do you fucking care now? Mr. Stone asked. You broke my fucking nose, Miss Leicaster screamed again. Reginald, if you please. My pleasure, Mr. Stone. Reginald grinned, pushing the woman's head away and grabbing her left arm by the wrist while placing his other hand on her shoulder. One last time, Miss Leicaster, Mr. Stone said, getting from the couch and kneeling close to her face. Do you fucking care now? Fuck you, she spat. Reginald twisted her wrist and pushed down hard with his other hand, separating her shoulder instantly. Miss Leicaster screamed in agony. Okay, okay, I fucking care, she called out. Please! Mr. Stone nodded and Reginald let go of Miss Leicaster. The woman rolled onto her back and reached for her injured arm. Don't you fucking dare, Mr. Stone said. You don't touch that arm until we are done talking, or I have Reginald rip it all the way out of the socket. Reginald smiled. Miss Leicaster froze. Activating the hollow disc, Reginald leaned down. Do you know this boy? 
Miss Leicester watched the scene play out on the hollow disc, and Mr. Stone and Reginald could see the lies she was trying to formulate flitter across her face, but thought better of as her shoulder pulsed with pain. Yeah, I seen him, she gasped. He come around here once. Always thought he was on the scabs the way he looked. How so? Mr. Stone asked. He didn't seem to know where he was. A little out of it like he didn't know why he was here. But Beth knew him from school? Mr. Stone asked. I don't know, Miss Leicester said. Beth never talked about him. Acted like she didn't know who I was talking about after he left. That all you know? Mr. Stone asked. Yes, that's all I know, she responded, spitting blood onto the carpet. You, you gonna call an ambulance for my shoulder? Mr. Stone looked at Reginald. She isn't lying, Stone, Reginald said. Mr. Stone nodded and Reginald raised his foot, then stomped full force on Miss Leicester's face. The woman grunted in pain and Reg Reginald stomped one more time before she was still. Two stomper, Reggie? Mr. Stone asked. You losing your touch? It's been a long day, Mr. Stone, Reginald apologized. That it has. The two men left the flat quickly. She fell, Mr. Stone said to one of the troopers. It was a bad fall. You'll need a bag. The trooper nodded and entered the flat as another ran up to Mr. Stone. Let me guess, Mr. Stone said, raising his hand and cutting off the trooper before he could speak. The girls got away again? Uh, yes, Mr. Stone. The trooper said reluctantly. They had help, though, sir. Some ghost blew up the place. Ghost? Reginald asked. Please tell me you have hollow, Mr. Stone said menacingly. The trooper nodded and activated a disc in his palm. Mr. Stone and Reginald watched as Heather systematically tore apart each trooper that came at her. She's quite skilled, Reginald remarked. Yes, Reggie, she is, Mr. Stone responded. I believe we need to head back to the station and regroup. There's more going on here than we know. You've been listening to the podcast reading of Jake Bible's The Americans. This novel and recording are protected under whatever latest, greatest Creative Commons license is out there currently. Share this all you want. Just don't even try to make a buck off it without the express permission of the author, me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please go to jakebible.com. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of the re-release of the original podcast production of The Americans. Don't want to wait each week for a new episode? Go to jakebible.substack.com and become a paid subscriber. Want more audiobooks? Go to jakebible.com for info and access to dozens of Jake Bible fiction audiobooks and ebooks. Cheers.